Let's pray. Father, as we approach your word, we just pray that you'd give us the humility to see ourselves as we are needing this word. Give us the eyes of faith to see you as you are, our sovereign and powerful yet loving Heavenly Father who cares enough to teach us your children. So help us to receive, Lord, what you have for us in this time. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The bones, the bones. We finally made it to Ezekiel's bones, chapter 30. It took 37 chapters to get there. We preach all of Ezekiel just to get to these bones. We love the bones. Uh, This is a great story. This is what it's all about. This is what free Christian church is all about. It's all encapsulated right here in this story of the bones. If you're new to this church, especially if you're new since we started preaching Ezekiel, I can imagine you say, this, is a, this seems like a great place. Nice people, uh, free coffee, great music. But the preaching and the, all the strange stuff, it's a little bit out there. Fair enough. Um, but I said, wait, wait, we're getting to the bones. And once we get there, this is all going to make sense. Um, but even this, that does make sense. It starts with bones. Um, it's a little bit strange. I remember the first time I saw a dead body. I don't know if you remember. I was, uh, when, when you first saw a dead body, I was a child. Uh, we were driving at night uh, through New Hampshire. The car in front of us struck a pedestrian who was killed immediately. The body landed in front of our car. We stopped, and we had to stay there so that no one else would hit this person. And I was, in the, I was a little kid. I was in the back seat. I looked up over the hood of the car, and I could see this person's body, and they were just lying there. And it was very disturbing. And we didn't have cell phones then, so we had to wait quite some time in front of this body for uh, help to come. And, you know, it really stuck with me. And, you know, over the years, especially due to the nature of my work as a pastor, I I see dead bodies. I consider it actually a sacred privilege when I'm at a funeral, with a family and there's a body present. Or sometimes I get to be in a hospital when somebody is breathing their last. And I consider that a gift from God to be with someone and with their body after they've died. Um, these, are, these are powerful moments. But Ezekiel's vision, it doesn't start with bodies. It doesn't start with corpses. It starts with bones. And bones at least with a body, so, you know, when someone dies, it looks like maybe they could, they're just sleeping. Or if you've seen a body and it almost looks as if it's moving or breathing, even though it's still, it's, it's so close to life. Ezekiel's image is bones. It's a very stark image, not just a little bit dead, but long dead. And uh, human bones are creepy in a different way. I remember the first time I saw human bones. I I was at a museum, again, up in New Hampshire, and there was a case, and it had this human skeleton in it. It wasn't mummified, but it was somehow preserved. I don't know what it... I don't remember why it was there, but I remember vividly seeing human bones and being really creeped out by it. Um, and especially a human skull. When you see a human skull, or images of skulls, or you know, people uh, 
you know, draw skulls on things, or you see it's kind of an image of death, or of it's a very dark kind of image. Why? It's because everybody knows that death is wrong, that death is an enemy. Deep down, we know it's not natural. People say, oh, death is just natural. It's just part of life. No, death is not natural. We know that death is a result of, of the fall, that death is, is wrong. And we know, it's, we know death isn't right because of the way we respond to it. Three common responses. One is that people ignore it. They don't want to think about death. They don't want to talk about it. They'll, do, they'll pretend like it just doesn't exist. And they go, you know, keep busy and ignore that. Or secondly, people try to delay death as long as possible. So you and your doctor and your medication, your exercise, your specialized diet, you know, whatever death is, when you turn 130, you'll deal with it then. But everything in your power to try to avoid death. But there's a third group of people, some of us, as they think about death, they find peace with God. And as you make peace with God, you find life, an eternal life. And that's life that death can't destroy. And it's not just for when that moment comes in the future, but when you experience that eternal life, you realize that it's a present reality that you bring with you everywhere you go. It's eternal life now. That's why we love the story of the bones, because it really does tell this story about how God brings life out of death. And the story of the bones is precious. We're actually going to sing about bones later. Uh, but it, it tells, it's not just Ezekiel's story. It's actually telling a bigger story, God's story. And in a sense, it's telling our story too. So that's kind of our outline this morning. Ezekiel's story, God's story, our story. So first, Ezekiel's story. So remember, and for those who haven't been around, we meet Ezekiel. The whole book starts. Ezekiel is an exile. He, is a, he was a prisoner of war. He was, taken, he was from Jerusalem. He was taken captive in this first wave of exiles. He's in Babylon. It's his birthday, sitting by the river, just sitting there. And all of a sudden, God gives him visions. God gives him a vision of God's glory. God gives him a vision of the people's rebellion against him. And God gives him messages to speak, uh, messages to the other exiles and messages to the nations around. And they are difficult words. They're harsh words that, that Ezekiel is, is preaching. And we read all these up through in this long book in the Old Testament. We get to chapter 33, and there's somebody who has escaped Jerusalem. And he said, it's over. Ezekiel, J Jerusalem has fallen. All of these terrible things, all the doom and gloom that Ezekiel had predicted came true. That there was a siege against the city. The city was utterly destroyed. Uh, some people escaped, but many people died. Others were taken as prisoners and exiled along with Ezekiel and these others. It was their, their whole nation essentially was destroyed. This is the lowest point. This is the worst case scenario, the bottom of the pit. But then in chapter 34, the message changes. In this very low point, God now brings a message of hope. And God says to these people whose, li whose lives and their nation has just been shattered, he said, I'm going to be your shepherd again. 
And just like a shepherd protects from enemies, I'm going to protect you from your enemies. And I'm going to deal with those other nations. Chapter 35 describes that. And he said, and there's going to be a, a, a king, a king like David, who had come, David was many years before. He said, there's going to be a Messiah king who's also a shepherd to you, who will guide you. There's a whole new thing happening. So you're going to have a new king. And you're going to be a whole new people with new lives. This is how he puts it in chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow all my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. He said, there's a whole new day coming. A whole rebuilt kingdom with all new people, with new hearts. And then God gives Ezekiel then this vision. The bones. So the scene is bleak. God, by his spirit, takes Ezekiel and he sees just a valley that's just full of bones. And they're dry bones. They've been there for a long time. And God asked this question. He said, son of man, can these bones live? And you, after everything Ezekiel's been through, I appreciate his answer. I don't think he wants to say yes. He certainly doesn't want to say no. Brilliantly, he says, sovereign Lord, you know. <laughs> Great answer. And God says, Ezekiel... Preach to the bones. Preach to the bones. Tell them to hear God's word. I'm going to make you alive and I'm going to put my spirit in you and you will live. Preach to the bones. Now as a preacher, I appreciate this too. Um, there's been times where it feels like you know, you're preaching to just bones. Not at 10... <laughs> no, no. Not at 1045. Ever. Not here. The nine o'clock, that's a different story. <laughs> so, so Ezekiel, he's all right, he starts preaching to the bones. And it's his most successful sermon he's ever preached. So he starts preaching to the bones, and then you hear the bones rattling. They're moving, and he keeps preaching. And, and the bones are coming together as skeletons. And then there's muscles, and there's blood vessels, and, and there's all the organs, and then skin, and now you have fully formed human beings standing in front of Ezekiel as he's preaching. But there's no breath. Now the word here in, in Ezekiel, the, the Hebrew word for breath is ruah. It means breath, it means wind, it means spirit. It's all the same word. And as you read through this, you can almost interchange word, breath, spirit. It's the very breath of life, the, the, the spirit of the living God, which brings true life. And it's not there. So God says, Ezekiel, preach to the breath, you know, preach to the wind, call the wind from wherever it is, and it's going to come in and fill the people. And sure enough, Ezekiel preaches to the wind, and all of these bodies are filled with the spirit of the living God, and they become truly alive. They stand up, the army of God standing there in the valley, a vast army. This is a new people 
with a new spirit who are ready to serve. That's Ezekiel's story. That's what he saw. But this story is just, it's just God's story again. This is the same story from the very beginning. What do we see in Genesis at the very beginning? We see God forming humans, but it's when he breathes the breath of life into the the nostrils of the first human that they truly become human, filled with the life and the spirit of God. That is God's design. And they're living perfectly in fellowship with God in the center of a garden where there's a tree of life. There's no death. Just perfect life that God has breathed. He forms life. He breathes his spirit into it. And that's God's design. But those first humans rebelled. And as a result of the rebellion, death comes into the world. Now remember, the serpent in Genesis said, oh, if you eat of the tree, you won't, surely you won't die. And of course, they eat the fruit that is forbidden Death comes into the world, and they didn't die physically, but at that moment, they are cut off from God's spirit, that God banishes them. He exiles the humans from the garden. They are not allowed to be in that place of perfect fellowship. They are cut off from God, in a sense, by their sin. And this whole story of Ezekiel and the bones really kind of retells that story, but it also points forward to a story that's going to happen in the future. It's when Jesus came. This whole thing points forward to Jesus in his death on the cross. His death on the cross was not just an expression of love. And you look and you say, oh, look how much Jesus loved people that he was willing to die. It certainly is that, but it's so much more because on that cross, Jesus accomplished something. He took on himself the sin and the exile that we deserve. So on the cross, I mean, that, yeah, that we deserved, he took it on himself, such that he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he, Jesus is cut off from the Father. Jesus experiences the exile that we deserved. And just as the bones are lying in the valley for Ezekiel, Jesus, his body is laid in a tomb, dead. But just as the bones came back together and came to life. Jesus is raised to new life. And when Jesus is raised to new life, he appears to his disciples in John chapter 20. And what does he say to them? He, it says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He, the breath of God to his people. And he said, I want you to wait because my Holy Spirit's going to come to all who follow me. And so on the day of Pentecost, They're praying and they're waiting. And then there's a wind. The wind, the spirit, the breath of God fills the place. And they are empowered and given new life by the same spirit to live as God's people. In Jesus Christ, this new spirit-filled Israel is really taking shape. That's God's story. Dry bones is the condition of every person. But in Christ, there is new life for that which is spiritually dead by his spirit. And the dead bones is a condition of every person, whether you realize it or not. You can be a fully formed human being, but spiritually dead and not even know it. Now, in Ezekiel's day, they knew it. Verse 11, the people, he said, God's saying, this is the people of Israel. They're saying, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. They knew that they were dead and separated 
from God's presence, even though they were alive. They, they knew it until they were connected with God's life-giving spirit. For us, whether you realize it or not, um, Ephesians 2, you know, we are dead in our sins and transgressions apart from God. And the question then is, can such people live? The same question God asked Ezekiel. Can such people live? In Romans 5.8, says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet dead and separated and exiled from God, Christ died for us to provide the way that we can receive his spirit. It's not just his spirit that helps us to know that we need to change and come alive. It's the spirit that actually helps us to come alive and to change and to grow. It's the power to be made new. This is how God works. This is God's story. It's not a story of self-improvement. It's not a story of, we don't gather here as a church to just have a little more inspiration so that God can you know, push us along our journey or that we feel more encouraged. We are here as a people because God takes that which is completely dead and gives it completely new life. It's not just improvement. It's not just turning a new page. It's a whole new heart that we need. Nothing less than new life. That is God's story, and that's what we need. So that brings us to our story, to, to your story. Where does your story fit in this? Some of you today, you know, do, you, do you know that you are cut off from God, that you are spiritually dead, that you need this new life? And if you, if you sense that and you want it, you can receive it today. Today is the day of salvation. And I'm going to pray at the end of the service and give you an opportunity to pray and receive, to go today from death to life, whether you're sitting at home or sitting here in this room, that can happen. For others of you, you might say, I'm not sure if that's me, or I'm not sure I'm ready yet, or I don't feel dead, or I, you know, I'm not sure what this is. I encourage you to ask other people, people gathered here or people you know who've experienced it. Ask, have you gone from this death to life thing, from the bones to the spirit? Have you, is that you? How did it happen? What did that feel like? When did it happen? How did you know? Ask as many Christians as you know that question. And people who have experienced that, be ready to tell your story. Because every follower of Jesus Christ has gone from death to life and the Spirit has come in. And hear those stories and learn from them because it can be your story too. For those of you who have experienced this, the dry bones, and you've been made alive because of the work of Jesus Christ. You know that's your story. The great thing about this story, it's a story that just keeps going. This is a pattern now of how God works in the lives of people. Not only does he bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life, but he continues to fill us with his spirit and refine us, and he does it again and again. So at any point or anywhere in your life where you feel dry and dead, we serve a God who loves to take those dead things and make them alive again. We serve a God who is in the, in the work of restoring the world. And he's still working on you and he's working in this world. God can bring life out of hopelessness. So if you ever feel despair, if you ever feel hopeless, remember that you are alive that you are spiritually alive, connected to God, and that he's still at work so that you can have hope, hope for today and hope for all eternity. 
We ground our identity as alive and full of hope. And we are alive for a purpose. Remember, these bones, you know, they start rattling and then boom, they come together. And then the spirit comes in, they're fully alive. And that they're there in the valley, not for a beach party. Oh, we're alive. Let's have a cookout or let's have a potluck. You know, it wasn't, let's form a club. They were alive as an army, a vast army, that they had a purpose to serve the king. And we know that our lives, as we come alive, have purpose. That's why we, talk, we spent so much time talking about shape. You know, how has God shaped you? How has God's spirit gifted you to be part of that army, to live your life on mission in the world to the places where God has called you? And that we will just continue to focus on that because we've had this spirit now and it's all his work. It's all his grace. But now we walk in that. Galatians 5 says it like this. Since we live by the spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we do the things that that foster the work of God's Spirit. We humble ourselves knowing that it's His work. We pray a lot. We pray in the Spirit on all occasions, as Scripture says. We are people who use the Word of God, the Bible, which is the sword of God's Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, as we seek to keep in step with that Spirit. And we know that there are things in this world that are not of God's spirit. And we turn from those things and we avoid those things. And we are people who are ready to respond to the prompting of God's spirit. Even the gentlest whisper, we are people who are ready to respond and be obedient to the spirit of God. Dry bones is the condition of every person, but in Jesus Christ, there is life for those who are spiritually dead. Let us pray Father, I pray for anyone here who recognizes that they are cut off, that they are dry and dead apart from you. And I pray that right now in this moment, they would receive new life, that they would turn in faith to you, and that your spirit would just fill and cleanse and bring that life, Lord. We thank you for Jesus who took all of the the exile who took the death on himself but was resurrected to new life that we might experience something of that new life by faith in what he's done. God, none of us deserve it. None of us earn it. But by your grace, you give it freely. Lord, and I pray that new life would come in this moment. That faith would come. That life would come. And with it, hope with it, purpose. And with it, a confidence that we are yours, that not even death can hold us, Lord. So I pray it would be, Lord, help us to walk in step with your spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing. We're going to sing about the bones. We're going to continue to celebrate the God who brings life out of death. Amen.